And in Matthew 21, it says this, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Dear Father, we just seek you this morning. I pray that we wouldn't just hear your words, the story, and just ignore it. But Lord, I pray that today your scriptures would change us, that we would be doers of the word, that it wouldn't just be a, a matter of intellect and learning more things. But Father, I pray that we would have an encounter with the word today, an encounter with you, and that our lives would be different because of you. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, I love this story. Jesus is about to be celebrated in the city. They're going to yell, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest, which means, Lord, save me. A term that represents kingship, the city of Jerusalem, acknowledging Jesus as king. But when you look at the scripture, seven out of 11 verses in this passage that describes Palm Sunday, because they threw palm branches before him, not this kind of palm, the palm on a tree, they, they have seven out of 11 verses in this passage describe something that's kind of ordinary and mundane, describes getting a donkey. And so the title of my message is, Bring That Donkey Here. Bring that donkey here. But I can't help but wonder when the disciples were going into this thing, I wonder if they thought it was going to be a little bit more glamorous to help a new king take over, to help Jesus be celebrated and take over the throne. Because they thought Jesus was going to be the king of Jerusalem, that Jesus was going to overthrow this political climate. But what we see in this passage is something a little less dramatic happened first. Seven out of 11 verses talk about them getting a donkey. Have you ever had a dream in your life or felt a calling or a purpose or some idea of grandeur and something turned out to be a little less glamorous and a little more glamour-less? I mean, there are dreams we have in our hearts. I, I remember when I first started thinking about fatherhood and parenting, I thought, man, it's going to be amazing. My son and I, we're going to wear the same clothes every day. He's going to finally be someone that laughs at all of my jokes and my puns. It's going to be incredible. We're going to frolic through the woods. It's going to be great to be a parent. But quickly, when you have your kid, you realize it's a little uh, glamour less. It's not as glamorous as you imagine. You know, I 
saw this, uh, this meme kind of thing on the internet that kind of describes what life was like with kids and without kids. All right, so with kids at 6 o'clock, it's like, time to get up. Someone peed through his diaper, and now your bed is covered in urine. This is my life! Without kids, my life was like at 6 a.m. You won't be getting up for five more hours. 6.30, you change the diaper and try to get the kid to sleep a little longer. But now he's yelling zoo animals and doing flips on the bed. You're up. 6.30, without kids, still asleep. <laughs> 7 o'clock, you made some breakfast for your child, but today he decided he hates eggs. He's saying he wants scrims, but you don't know what that means. He won't explain and just keeps yelling, Screams louder and louder. Seven o'clock without kids. Your pillow got a little warm, so you turn it over and go back to sleep. <laughs> ah! Eight o'clock. <laughs> You've now watched the same episode of SpongeBob four times. One time, you tried to change it over to the news, and your kid shoved a spoon in the dog's ear. <laughs> Eight o'clock. Tranquil visions dance in your head as the sweet embrace of slumber engulfs your resting body. <laughs> 8.30, you attempt to take a shower, but your kid keeps throwing can openers into the tub. You weren't aware that you had multiple can openers. <laughs> 8.30, without kids, an angel comes down and gently kisses your forehead. Sleep well, sweet prince. That <laughs> o'clock, you walk upstairs to your room, but don't realize your kid was using the stairs as a stunt zone for Hot Wheels, and you slip on one and nearly die as you tumble back down to the first floor. Ah, 9 o'clock, a hummingbird perches itself outside your window and sings a sweet lullaby. He blows you a kiss and soars away. <laughs> you know, life with kids is a lot less glamorous than I thought it would be. All my parents said amen with me this morning, and all my people without kids. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. You know, I, I just thought, I thought it was going to be amazing. It was just going to be something that would be wonderful. And now I'm like, oh, son, let me read you a book. Oh, no, you want me to watch you pretending to read a book. Okay. Hey, son, let me feed you this amazing food. Oh, you don't want the food. Oh, you're, you're putting a whole fork down your throat. Is that how? Oh, you're making yourself throw up. Oh, this is my life now. Oh, son, sweet son, let me, let me put a shoe on you. Except for I can't. I have fat man fingers. Look at the size of my thumb muscle. It's so difficult to put that shoe on. Oh, I finally got it on. Oh, you immediately took it off. Ah, what is going on? I thought this was going to be so glamorous, but it's so difficult. And I can't, I can't help but wonder if this is how the disciples felt. Finally. We get to be part of taking over the Roman occupation. We get to take over Jerusalem. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing. What? You want me to get a donkey? What? This isn't what I expected. This isn't what I, I expected. And uh, <laughs> it's so amazing because earlier in the chapter, so we just read in Matthew 21 about this scripture, but in Matthew 20, there are these two disciples called the sons of Zebedee or the sons of thunder. Uh, and they, they ask through their mom, I assume, Jesus, Kate, can one of us sit at the right hand of your throne and one of us on the left hand of your throne? Can we be seated in high positions of power? They had their mom ask Jesus this, I assume. The mom did ask Jesus. But then in the next chapter, what does Jesus have them do? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you know what you're asking for, but there's something you can do. 
go get a donkey. <laughs> go get me that donkey. I mean, this story is just filled with so, so much insight and so much passion because there are all these promises for Jerusalem. They were under a Roman occupation. They weren't even controlling their own land, and they were sick of following the leadership of the Romans, and they were hoping, they're praying that a Messiah would come, would set us free, and for so long, Jesus would perform these miracles, but he'd say, don't, don't tell them about me. Don't celebrate this because my time hasn't come yet. But now Jesus is saying, hey, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to come into my kingdom. My time has come. And so they're probably thinking, oh, yeah, come on. People are going to see me with Jesus. I'm with him. It's going to be awesome. And it happens. They yell, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save me. They throw down these palm branches. They're acknowledging him. And Jesus comes in on this donkey. And it was a term or it was a thing that kings did when they would say, we're ushering in a new time of peace. I'm not coming on a war horse. I'm not coming in as a warrior. I'm coming in as a humble king. And this time has come. But seven out of 11 verses in this passage describe this little adventure that Jesus sends them on to go get a donkey. And I believe that there are some really amazing things that we can unpack in this scripture as we go forth today. And uh, I don't know if you've ever felt that in your life where you felt called to this extraordinary life, but you found it was filled with a lot of ordinary moments. You felt called to this amazing thing. Lord, use me. I want to be a great worship leader, or I want to be a preacher, or I want to be a great business person, or I want to start something amazing, or I, I, I just want to make a difference. I want to go to another country and do sustainable development, or I want to be an artist. I want to be all these things. I feel like God has put a promise in my heart. I feel like God has put a purpose in my heart. And then we find out things are a little a little bit less glamorous than we expected. Have you ever felt that way? And I can't help but wonder if the disciples felt this way. Oh, get a donkey. Bring that donkey. You know, uh, I, I found this truth in the scriptures that, you know, life is filled with ordinary moments. In fact, I think this is a good mindset for us to have from this scripture that seven out of 11 of the verses describe something very ordinary and simple. And I found in my life at least seven out of 11 of the moments in my life are pretty ordinary. I had this dream to be a father, but most of the time it's just like changing diapers. I had this dream to be a great parent, but sometimes it's just waking up a little extra early and changing his clothes with nobody thanking me, nobody celebrating me. And for us to be people who say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to do your will. It means that we're not too good for ordinary obedience. You know, these disciples, Jesus had sent them out two by two to pray for the sick and they would be healed, to cast out demons and they would be free, to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. And now Jesus sends out the two disciples not to do this extravagant show of power and the kingdom of God, but to do something simply ordinary. Go get a donkey. And even before this, in the Last Supper story, he sent out people to go secure a room. And, you know, as we prepare the way for Jesus, we find ourselves in a lot of ordinary moments. But many times, I, I just had this pet peeve, many times we have this idea that God has this great plan for our lives, but we find ourselves too good to get the donkeys in our lives. 
You know, we, we planted a church, and it was built on ordinary moments here. You know, there are people here at, like, 640, and they're, they're getting the truck ready. They're unloading things because they're saying, Jesus, I love you so much. And I don't just have to do things on stage. I don't just have to do things where people recognize me. I simply want to prepare the way for you, Jesus. And so if you want me to get a donkey, I'll get a donkey. And the scripture said that the disciples did all that Jesus had instructed them to do. Would Jesus say the same of us? Or are we waiting for glamorous moments? Are we comfortable with the ordinary, unrecognized service to Jesus Christ? And I I love this because... You know, there, there are times in our life, in our marriages, in our, in our kids' life, in our friendships, where we just got to be like, hey, Lord, if you need someone, I'll go get that donkey. You know, someone's got to get the donkey. Hey, chairs need to be stacked this morning. Somebody's got to get the donkey. Someone needs to set up the cafe this morning. Someone needs to get the donkey. Hey, the kitchen is dirty this morning. Somebody's got to get the donkey. Hey, the trash hasn't been taken out. Somebody's got to get the donkey. You know, I, I, I'm sick of studying. Somebody's got to get the donkey. It's because these ordinary moments in our lives that set us up for greatness. And my question today is, are you willing to do things you don't want to do because Jesus wants you to do them? Are you willing to do ordinary things so that Jesus will look extraordinary? Or do you need the glory? Do you want the praise? Do you want to be celebrated? Or are you okay of getting low so that Jesus can be lifted high in these ordinary moments? So what, what does that look like? I mean, students, take your classes seriously. Get the donkey. Study. Attend class faithfully. Do the things that nobody notices so that you can lift up Jesus high in the future. That means in your job, hey, if the copier is out of paper, go get some more paper. If the the thing is jammed up, don't pretend like you didn't notice. (laughs) Oh, someone's getting (laughs) Someone's feeling that? Take the time and fix it. Go get that donkey. Do the ordinary works, the ordinary tasks so that we can be part of lifting Jesus up high. We're never too good for ordinary love. Even as a pastor, I stack, I mean, not to brag on myself, but every Sunday morning, I'm right here with the team stacking up chairs and getting things ordered. Because even as a pastor, I'm not too good to get the donkey. I'm not too good to do ordinary tasks that set up Jesus to be lifted high. Amen. And so I'm just, I'm just really thinking about this scripture, and it's just so amazing. And uh, something as I was learning and reading the scripture that kind of struck me is this passage where it says about what Jesus is doing with that donkey. We realize that kings of peace rode these donkeys, and they walked in, but something deeper is happening in the scriptures. Jesus said, this took place, or the scripture saying in verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt the foal of donkey. I think this is amazing because there is this prophecy over this moment in the Old Testament scriptures that the Messiah would come in riding on this donkey. And Jesus knew that in order to be Messiah, he was supposed to fulfill all these promises, kind of proof that he was who he said he was, proof that he was sent by God. And the thing is, Jesus wanted to fulfill these prophecies. He had a plan. He had a purpose. He had a destination. 
He had the end in mind, but he chose to fulfill his promises and his prophecy and his plan. He chose to fulfill it through his disciples. Jesus had a plan, and he chose to fulfill it through his disciples. And I, I just found in my walk with God something amazing. There's a quote that kind of sums this up by Stephen Furtick. It says this, extraordinary moves of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. Isn't that powerful? Extraordinary moves of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. And so Jesus knew what was riding on this prophecy being fulfilled, that he wouldn't cast aside these scriptures, he wouldn't leave any promises yet left unfulfilled, but yet he, he trusted this into the hands of ordinary disciples. You know that God is going to fulfill his promises through you? Did you know that God has a goal for this world? There's so many lives he wants to touch. There's so many creative things he wants to develop. But he's not just going to randomly make them happen. He's going to make them happen through you. It's amazing. God has a destiny for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He could wave his hands and just make things happen. He could speak anything into existence and they would exist. But he chooses, he cho he's chosen to use us. He's chosen to ask us, will you partner with me to help me fulfill what I want to see accomplished? Will you join me in bringing heaven to earth? Will you partner in my task to make known the beauty of Jesus? Will you join me? And it's amazing that Jesus chose to use disciples to fulfill these promises. Because I found that God adds something extra to our ordinary and makes something extraordinary. There's this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer that says this, God does not give us everything we want. No, he doesn't. But he does fulfill his promises, leading us along the best and straightest paths to himself. And uh, this, this passage shows that Jesus fulfilled his prophecies through ordinary people. You know, uh, you know there's this man in, in my high school days when I first decided to follow Jesus. And his name was Mark Patch. And he was like 33. I was like 16, 15. And this guy, he, he was single. He was living at his parents' home. And he was an amazing rock star. He wore skinny pants before it was cool. He had long, blonde, curly hair that flowed down to his belly button. He was an old 80s rocker. And I loved it. He had toured with all these bands. He had played drums. In fact, he just released a book about 100 drum bands, and he ranks them and gives you ways to purchase them. It's really incredible. And this old man, he was old to me at the time, 32, this old man, <laughs> he, he decided one day to partner with this youth ministry that I was a part of. And uh, that day, I decided to get on stage and sing a song. And I, I realized I don't know how to sing songs. I don't know how to be in a band. And so I asked this guy, Mark Patch, I said, hey, can you help me form a band with my friends? Can you teach me how to go through this music endeavor? And he said, okay, okay. I literally didn't know how to sing, and I was the lead singer of the band, and nobody else was in the band. <laughs> and so so he, he began to spend time with me, 
and helped me gather musicians, and so a bass player, a drummer, and we had our first practice, and everybody realized I can't sing very well, so I asked to not be the lead singer, and I said, I'll learn how to ba play bass, and we'll have this guy sing, and he was way better than me. But the, over the course of that one moment, Mark Patch, he began to mentor all of us. He would pick us up in his car, get us all different rides, bring us to practices twice a week that would last like four hours. He had all the equipment, all the instruments. None of us owned any of our own stuff. And he was just faithful in this thankless, ordinary stuff. And week by week by week, he was faithful. And he helped us record an album. He recorded us with his own time, his own money. He spent it with us. He started taking us to different church events and conferences. He exposed us to different preachers and, and reading of books. He exposed us to all these different titles. Remember when you're a baby, you're a baby Christian and you didn't know anything? You're like, I don't understand the songs. I don't understand the Bible verses. I don't understand what the preacher's saying. I don't know all these things. And he just kind of gave us inside information to Christianity. He helped us understand what was going on on. But the thing is, we were high schoolers, and we were so lazy, okay? <laughs> I mean, we never helped him pack the car with equipment. Never. We would play video games while he packed the car. I'm not joking. We would always be late when we were recording with uh, time that he paid for. We would, like, whisper secret messages into the microphone to ruin the recording. <laughs> We'd play little dumb things, and he was just faithful in the midst of that time and time again. And people thought he was kind of weird because he was just hanging out with us, and he was investing all this time, and he was like a rocker out of his element. But you know what? He was faithful in those ordinary moments. He had these dreams. You know, he had been traveling the country. He had been on stages. He had opened for some pretty big bands. But here he was packing up a car twice a week for some punk teenagers. And you know what, though? It began to change our lives. We began to love Jesus more. We began to find that we had confidence. We learned how to act as a team. We learned how to be musicians. We learned how to see a dream come true. We learned how to plan something and see it come through to execution. And this, this man was really not gaining anything. It wasn't glamorous for him, but he took time for us in ordinary moments. And I, I'm forever thankful. He changed my life forever. You know, there, there are just some opportunities in our life where nobody notices. But I think there are some donkeys in your life that God wants you to go after. Some ordinary, mundane things you do without the praise of people, without the acknowledgement, without the attention maybe you think you deserve. But just ordinary, background, practicing, serving, helping, loving, being kind, intentionally, breathing life into someone, helping somebody out. I mean, are we too good to get the donkey? I mean, and these Jesus followers, they knew that Jesus was entering into something special. But I think that they had a heart that said, you know what, Jesus, you've done so much in my life. You've done so much for me that if you ask me to sweep a floor, I'll sweep that floor. Jesus, if you ask me to get up on a stage, even though it freaks me out, I'll get up on a stage to lift you up. 
Jesus, if you want me to step out and build a business, or you want me to take this job, or if you want me to move across the nation, I'll do it for you because you've done so much for me. And something that struck me as I was just studying this passage is that there is this donkey, the scripture says, right? In verse 28, it says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And then he says in verse 30, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untie it? The Lord needs it. Something that really strikes me in this passage is that here, here is this donkey. It's, it's alone, right? It's tied up. But Jesus sees it. Jesus needs it. So there's a donkey there, right? It's alone. It's tied up. But Jesus sees it. And Jesus says he needs it. Let that sink in. I'm so moved by this. You want to know why? Because I was that donkey. I was that, we were that donkey at one point. We were alone, right? But Jesus set us into a community, a spiritual family, right? We were tied up, but Jesus set us free. We thought nobody noticed us, but Jesus saw us. And we thought we were unwanted, but Jesus says he needs it. Isn't that beautiful? That we were all that donkey at one point? But check this out. How did Jesus set that donkey free? He did it by sending two disciples to get that donkey. And I'm just so thankful for the people in my life when I was alone and tied up, when I was just struggling. God used people, like the people in this room, to untie me and to place me into a community. And, you know, in this series of intentional acts of kindness, we're just talking about, God, like, how can I be a part of what you're doing? How can I make a difference in the world? Lord, how can I be used? I just feel like the Lord is saying to us, like, will you get that donkey? I need it. Will you go get your coworker? I need them. Will you get that person in your family that doesn't know me? I, I need him. I need her. I love him. I love her. I want, I want them. Untie them. Place them in a community of faith. And in this scripture, I, I know it's about so many different things with Palm Sunday, about Jesus' extravagant plan, but I, I just love this idea that he sent his disciples to get something that he wanted. And he even said, hey, if people oppose you, come against you, just tell them that the Lord needs it. And you know, there's an opportunity this next week with Easter. You know, many people will come to church for the first time because it's Easter, simply. Many people come to church only on Christmas Eve and Easter. And I just feel like there's a lot of people in our community, and Jesus is saying, will you go find them? Will you go help them get untied? And will you bring them to me, Jesus is saying. Will you go find them, untie them, and bring them to me? And you know, I, I, I acknowledge that I was once that donkey, but there's a truth in the scripture, and it's this. It's that found people, we were lost and now we're found. Found people, though, they find people. Found people, find people. And since we were once that donkey, I think it is 
really important that we don't forget how lost we used to be and go find people who need hope. Find people who need life. You know, if, you know, yesterday I was, I was building this little, like, structure in my backyard with some amazing guys. And uh, it's called the clubhouse now. Found some pallets and built it. And uh, I was hanging out with Jordan. Where's Jordan? So Jordan was helping me clean up. And Obi, my son, was with us. And uh, I was putting up this little sign that says Man Cave. <laughs> and I couldn't get it to stick right in there. And Obi's playing around. And we're kind of keeping an eye on him. And we're kind of not because we've got we to build the clubhouse, right? <laughs> and uh, at one point, Jordan goes, um, Pradeepin, do you have Obi? I'm like, no, you have Obi. He's like, I don't know where Obi is. And that is super scary because we live on a pretty busy road with lots of cars. Amrita's biggest nightmare is like, Obi runs out, gets hit by a car. <laughs> and George just goes, uh, uh, where, do you, do you know where Obi is? And band, you guys can come up. Uh, <laughs> and I go, no, I don't know. And so we immediately sprint. He's like, did he go inside? Did he go to the street? I sprint to the street because I'm not afraid of him going inside. I'm afraid of him going into traffic and getting hit. So we sprint outside, and we look for Obi, and we, we find him right by the, like, not the road. Not the road. Not the road. <laughs> not the road. We find him right, right by, like, our, our, like, our swing, not sliding door by the kitchen. And he could have walked outside to the street. He could have walked to the street, but we found him just in time. But here, here's the situation. My, my son, I love him, and despite what I was saying at the beginning of this message, I really love my son. Honestly, it is a dream come true. He, he's amazing. I love him. I cherish him. But if Jordan would have said, hey, hey, Pradeepin, uh, your son's missing, but you know what? Can I pick your brain? <laughs> I just want to spend some time with you. You know, you're, you're my pastor. I've been serving at Kalos Church. I, I just feel like I don't really know you that well. Uh, could, you, could you just hang out? Could you answer some questions with me? I'd be like, bro, my son could be dying right now on the road. Like, I, this is not the time. <laughs> but he's like, pretty even, please, could you just like, uh, could you just chill a little bit? Let's just relax. You know, I just help you build this, this, this clubhouse. I, I've helped you clean up now. I just want to. I just want to hang out with you a little bit, bro. No, I, we gotta find my son. We gotta find my son. He's important to me. You know, I, I. I just think this is the heart of God sometimes with us. You know, we're like Jesus. I just. I just want to sing songs. I just want to sit at your feet. But God is like, but there. There are people out there, and they're, they're gonna get hit by the traffic of life. They're going to find destruction. They're, you know, we're like, Jesus, I, I wish we were just going deeper into scripture. I just want to learn more. But Jesus is saying like, wait, but what about my, my son and my daughter? What about these people who are lost and in darkness and who are about to give up on life and are, are looking for hope? And and I, I think it's good to worship, obviously. I think it's good to dive into the scriptures. But I, I think sometimes we lack the urgency that a father has for his lost son. Because Jesus, he, he sees all of Seattle, and he sees all the people who are alone, who are tied up, who feel like nobody sees them. And Jesus is like saying, hey, disciples, 
I need them. I need them. I want them. Will you go get them? Somebody's got to get the donkey. <laughs> you were once that donkey, don't you remember? I remember when you just wished someone from the church would reach out to you. I remember when you wondered, does anybody even care about me? I remember when you were like, oh, I wish someone would just pray for me or someone would help me or someone would give me a ride or someone would help me with rent or someone would invite me to church or someone would tell me that they care about me or love me. Like, I feel like God's saying, don't you remember when you were the donkey? But what happened to the urgency? Like, my, there's so many other people out there who don't know my love, who don't know my beauty. Will you get the donkey? Will you be part of God fulfilling his plan to bring all nations to him? Will you be part of fulfilling God's plan that none shall perish? Will you be part of that, or are you too good to get the donkey? You know, there's this song that we sang earlier, and I just, I love the lyrics to that song, Reckless Love. I mean, it's just amazing. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. And I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And uh, I want to be the kind of church that isn't okay with just hanging out with one another when there are people who need the love of Jesus. Will you get the donkey for Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Father, I, I just thank you, Lord, that you, you always find the holes that we dig for ourselves and you make them foundations to show your love. Lord, we're thankful that you found us when we were lost and tied up and alone and you set us in families and set us free. Now, I pray that Jesus for those of us who are lost and now we're found, I pray that we would be those people that say, found people, find people. That we wouldn't forget, Lord, and that we could do these ordinary tasks for your glory. Lord, if you want us to get a donkey, we'll get a donkey. If you want us to invite someone to church, we'll invite someone to church. If you want us to put up a sign, we'll put up a sign. If you want us to uh, clean the kitchen so we can love our wives, we'll, we'll do that and make known the beauty of Jesus in our family. If you want us to change the oil in someone's car, we'll do that for you. If you want us to clean the copier or fix it or get paper or do coffee runs, Lord, we'll do it, Lord. If you want us to die for you, we'll do it, Lord. We are just people that were once lost and now we are, we're found by you. We're in love with you, Jesus. And I pray that we would be like the disciples that say, hey, if you want it, we'll do it. If you want it, we'll do it. I don't care how ordinary it is. I don't care how amazing it is. Lord, let your will be done through me. Let your will be done through me. Lord, fulfill your promises through me. I'm your man. I'm your woman. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And I'm not content to ignore the people who need your love. Lord, use me to bring people to you. Use me to bring people to you. I will get the donkey. Oh, Jesus, we pray.
You know, why don't we sing that song about the reckless love of Jesus? And let's just make this part of our prayer, part of how we recognize what God is doing, that he's not just going after us, he's going after this whole region. And as we go into this Easter opportunity, oh Lord, I pray that we would be part of your reckless love that pursues people. Let's sing.